It is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. It really has been a stressful time these last two weeks. And we hear a great deal today about pressure, stress, anxiety. And actually, each one of us, in some way, is facing the pressures of what they call the new normal. I pray, Lord, please don't let this be normal. But this new way that we have to live and work right now. And a few days ago, I was listening to a doctor on television. And she was discussing a very interesting topic. It caught my attention. I stopped what I was doing to hear what she had to say. She was talking about COVID fatigue. And I thought, very good subject. She was not talking about the physical condition of someone who had had COVID and was recovering and feeling tired. No, she was discussing the sentiment of just the general uh, condition of uh, people that were uh, tired of hearing about COVID. I don't know about you. You cannot, but you cannot turn on the television without... That's about the first thing you hear. Uh, we're, we're tired of um, hearing the st- statistics. You hear them daily. Or some of you hear them hourly if you're news, newsies that like to watch the news all day long. We're tired of worrying about contacting COVID. But we're also tired of wearing masks. And we're tired of social distancing. And I've, uh, you know, talked to parents who were exhausted with trying to coach their children in all their school subjects. And children who were bored with having to study online. Everyone is tired because what we thought would last maybe a few months, we were, we were geared up for that. We could accept it. it. has dragged on and on. COVID fatigue. Actually, the doctor went on to say that the uh, medical the field is very concerned right now because their fear is that because people are just so fed up, they just want it all to be over with, that uh, their, this current uptick in the cases of COVID are because people are letting down their guard and they're not taking the necessary precautions. So we, we do need to, to keep on being careful. But I, it, it, this just led my thoughts to think that really something that I think is even more serious is that unrelieved stress can lead to the number one illness in the world today. And I'm not talking about cancer or heart disease or diabetes. The number one illness today is emotional illness, namely depression. Because of depression, thousands are hospitalized. Many are seeking psychiatric help, and multiplied thousands are on medication. Depression, according to the Christian psychiatrist, Louis Gruber, is a kind of unrelieved misery that cannot be explained, but brings a kind of pessimism and negative thinking that loses hope, making life seem meaningless and empty. He went on to say that depression results from despair, a sense of hopelessness and helplessness, 
I think we understand people get caught in that vicious cycle of self-criticism, self-doubt, self-pity. And to me, the most frustrating part about it is it makes you feel out of control. It threatens your lifestyle. It changes your mood. I want to say if you've been experiencing some of these feelings lately, I want to sure, assure you, you are not a terrible person. You're actually in good company. There are many examples in the scripture of men and women who were suffering from depression. Isaiah called it being undone. Jeremiah said he wished he had never been born. The prophet Jonah said that for him, death was better than life. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was in extreme anguish, the scripture tells us. The important question is this. How did these men of God come through their periods of misery and depression? Psychology has no easy answers for the cure of depression. Does the word of God have anything to say to people who are suffering from depression? His word is clear. When we come to the end of our own resources, that is when God's power is unleashed in our behalf. Paul, uh, the Lord said to Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul answered, responded, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I do believe the Bible tells us how we can diffuse depression and move from being stressed to being blessed. To find some answers, let's take a look at the life of an Old Testament prophet named Elijah. He was a man of God who dared to stand up against the wickedness of King Ahab and King, Queen Jezebel. He denounced the idolatry of that wicked couple. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, we read the beautiful story of how he fought a mighty spiritual battle against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He called fire down from heaven, destroyed 450 prophets of Baal. And then, after that amazing contest, the scripture says, it's at the, it's at the very last uh, verse of chapter 18, verse 46 says, the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. This is the amazing thing. He outran by foot the chariots, chariot and horses of the king all the way back to the capital city of Samaria. Then you move into chapter 19, and that's where we're going to look for our study today. It was a very different story the next day because, first of all, Queen Jezebel put out a contract on his life. This is what chapter 19 and verse 2 says. First of all, verse 1 tells how her husband Ahab went and reported all everything that had happened on Mount Carmel. Verse 2, So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. She was talking about those prophets who had been slaughtered the day before, the prophets of Baal. Elijah. Oh, well, let's just read the next verse. It says it so clearly. 
Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. You know, it's not so surprising. You know, if somebody put out a contract against you, you would be afraid. I remember years ago receiving threatening letters in, in Hyderabad or in Secunderabad where we lived. And uh, we didn't run for our life, but we prayed mighty hard. <laughs> uh, it, it is, it's frightening. But he fled to the desert, the scripture says. He fell exhausted there under a tree. You see, the excitement of his spiritual and his physical victories had passed, and he was left in the, depression, the grip of depression and fear and disappointment. Jezebel was threatening his life, and he felt desperately alone. And you know what he said? Let's read what he said to the Lord. Let's read it. It's in verse 4. I have had enough, Lord, he said. <laughs> have you ever told the Lord that? Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. In other words, they all died. I'm going to die too, better now than later. Take, I, I, let's, let's just get it over with, Lord. I find it so interesting. In the New Testament, the Apostle James tells us, Elijah was a man just like us. He, he was a man, a godly man, a man of miracles and prayer, but he was also subject to uh, disappointment, to discouragement, to depression. And here we see a picture of Elijah, this man of faith and power, and he's having a personal pity party. He is really in, in serious depression. How would he be able to diffuse this depression? I want you to notice the dialogue between God and Elijah to see the process. I've listed just four steps because it's there in the dialogue. The first step in diffusing depression is this. Take care of your physical needs. Verse number five says this. Then he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. When the heart is heavy and the mind and the body are weary, sometimes, often, the best remedy is sleep. Referring to Mark 6.31, where Jesus tells his disciples to come apart and rest for a while, the preacher, Vance Havner, used to say, if we don't come apart and rest, we will come apart. And I think you could say that about Elijah. He was about to come apart. Nothing seems right, does it, when you're exhausted? And I just love to see how God ministered to him. Uh, he was so discouraged. And he, he just, in such a loving manner, he allowed him to sleep, first of all. Then he nourished him with food. Look at uh, the latter part of verse 5. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around. And there by his head was a cake of bread baked over the hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank. And what did he do? He, he just laid back down and he fell asleep. But notice verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. Remember, I've told you before, the angel of the Lord always uh, speaks of uh, an appearance before the birth of Jesus, an appearance in the Old Testament of the Lord Jesus himself. 
the angel of the Lord came back and he touched him and said, get up and eat. You know, isn't it marvelous that God himself came down to make chapatis for Elijah way out in the desert where nobody else was, nobody else could see. He made him, it says bread. He was baking it on coals. It was just like chapati. He gave him food and he ate. But now this is the marvelous thing. That wasn't just any old bread or chapati. Look at verse six. It says, no, it's eight. So he got up and he ate and drank and this, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. Now that was, that, were, that was a meal or two meals that lasted for 40 days. I want you to notice the uh, time, passage of time there. He went all the way to Horeb, it says, which is actually, that's Mount Sinai. That's where Moses went up in the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. That was a long distance away. And of course, he was still running. It said there, in verse 9, there he went into a cave. <laughs> I, you just have to smile. You know, haven't we all done that sometime in our life? Haven't we all longed for a cave to hide in? But then comes the beautiful part. The Lord comes to Elijah and speaks to him. And what I think is so beautiful, it was not to rebuke him or to instruct him. He just asked him a question. It's there in the latter part of verse 9. What are you doing here, Elijah? The prophet's reply did not really answer the question. You read it in 10. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have broken down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Really, it just was it sort of revealed his pride and his self-pity. I've had so many trials in the ministry, Lord, and I'm the only faithful one left. Then God told Elijah this. This is the next verses, the next words of God in this dialogue. Verse number 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain of God. Actually, in effect, God was telling Elijah, function, whether you feel like it or not. This was the second step in the process of diffusing depression. Get up, Elijah. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. God said, stand on the mountain. And note this phrase, in the presence of the Lord. Beloved, the best time to worship is when we're depressed, when we're sad, when we're discouraged. The best time to pray and to sing is when we're disheartened. It's very difficult to stay depressed when we come into the presence of God in prayer, in praise. I'm sure you've all experienced that in your life. I, I, when I think about this, I always think of Paul and Silas in that uh, Philippian jail. You know what, the, you know the story. It was after midnight. It had been a rough day. They had been publicly ridiculed, mercilessly beaten, illegally thrown in prison, and cruelly, painfully locked in stocks. And then the scripture says, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing hymns to God. Wow. And of course, we all know the outcome. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. The prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. How marvelous that story is. But I want to move on to the third step in overcoming depression because I think it is the probably the most important. It's so vitally important. Get in touch with God. Notice this. It's also in verse 11. He said, go out and stand in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Dear discouraged believer, I want to say to you this morning, the Lord is about to pass by. Friend listening on the internet may be feeling today like you're at the end of your rope. The Lord is about to pass by. He passed by those three young Hebrew men who were cast into the fiery furnace, the stories in Daniel chapter 3. He caused, their, their uh, experience caused the pagan king to exclaim, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the fire? But I see four men walking around, unbound and unhurt, and the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Why? Because the Lord had passed by. The Lord passed by when the 12 disciples were caught in a raging storm on the Sea of Galilee. They were despairing of their life when it says in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus went to them. And of course, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out in fear and he called, it is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus passed by. The Lord passed by blind bar and Timaeus. He was begging by the roadside in Jericho. And hearing a noisy crowd, he said, hey, guys, what's going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Hallelujah. He was healed in an instant. His life was transformed. And God sent three mighty representations of his power. The wind the earthquake, and the fire. This is interesting. Theologians call these theophanies. It comes from two Greek words. Theos means God. And phaino means to manifest or to appear. These together mean the manifestations of God. He was there. These were, this is, wasn't a cyclone or a, a, a forest fire. This was uh, manifestations of the power of God. But after the dramatic display of power, it said, there was a still, small voice. I like how it says it in the NIV. It says, a gentle whisper. Elijah was not stirred by the great noise and the mighty power of the previous three, the first three exhibitions, but he recognized the voice of God in that gentle whisper. You know, in the days that we worship now. There's such large meetings sometimes and loud music. There's high pressure promotion. Sometimes it's difficult to understand that God rarely works by means of the dramatic and the colossal. When he wanted to start the Jewish nation, he sent a baby to Abraham. The little boy was Isaac. 
When he wanted to deliver the nation from bondage, again, he started with a baby, Moses. He sent a teenager named David to kill the Philistine giant. When God wanted to save the world, he sent his only son as a weak and helpless baby. Today, God seeks to reach the world through the ministry of earthen vessels, the scripture says, just jars of clay. That's what we are. We're, we're so insignificant. Nothing great about us. But God whiz, will use our earthen vessels to reach his world. When God passed by, Elijah did get in touch with him. It says there in verse 13, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And once again, the voice spoke to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And of course, you do actually have the same, <laughs> the same voice of pity, self-pity, uh, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars. This is like a broken record, isn't it? They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. Now they are trying to kill me. But he did hear from the Lord. If you read down a little bit further in verse number 18, God gives him the assurance that there were still 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed their knee to Baal. In other words, Elijah, no, you're not the only one. You're not alone. God told Elijah one last thing. Actually, I'm paraphrasing this a bit, but I've called this fourth point. Get outside of yourself. Let's just read what God said to Elijah. It's in verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you have come. He was telling Elijah to, to get out of himself, to do something for somebody else. To the Lord's question, what are you doing, Elijah? The honest answer was nothing. I'm having a personal pity party. God reminded Elijah that he had been called to serve and there were still tasks to be performed. And so he, he goes on in, in, in that uh, verse 15. He said, go back the way you have come. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. And of course, that is for, uh, for Syria. And then he goes on and he says, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And this is the interesting one, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet. Wow, his term was almost ended. The Lord was going to give him a break, but he had to go back and anoint his successor. The really an essential element of depression is becoming ingrown, becoming locked into our own lives. We can see only ourselves sometimes, our own problems. They, they just seem so overwhelming. Consequently, we lose our sense of usefulness and, and that sense of being needed and wanted. This is what had happened to Elijah. The Lord 
commanded him to return to his place of duty and to fulfill his office as a prophet. When we're out of the Lord's will, we have to retrace our steps sometimes. We have to make a new beginning. I like the words he said, go back, go back the way you came. You know what, I, I almost left this out and I thought how important verse 19 is. Verse 19, the first part, so Elijah went from there. Hallelujah. He obeyed. He obeyed. You know, the Lord never gave him a big lecture, did he? He never scolded him. He was so gentle and loving. But he set him on the right track. He told him what he needed to do to pull out of that pit of despair into which he had found himself. Go back, he said. I want to say this about depression. To become depressed is not a sin, beloved. But to stay depressed is dangerous and unnecessary. To suffer temporary depression is normal. I think we could call it COVID fatigue. It's normal. To stay depressed is to deny ourselves of the resources of God in Christ. And I just jotted down just a few points of how to live the blessed life. I, I thought this is really so basic because, you know, you could go on and on and on with this list. But I'm just going to just say a few things. First of all, begin by thinking positively. And, you know, we're all familiar with Paul's words in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, think on these things. There's so much negativity in the world today, isn't there? We need to think positively, keep our minds focused on things that are good. Secondly, this is important. Believe that you are loved. Look around you. There are people who care about you. They're ready to support you. They want to help you. Best of all, God loves you. Number three is also very important. Raise your faith level through the word of God. We know what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? Through the word of God. I'm afraid that so often we feed our spirits on the wrong things. We feed them on fear. We feed them on negativity. When you find yourself sliding down that slippery slope, even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel like it, function when you don't feel like it, grab your Bible. Even, at least read a verse. Read a verse that you know comforts you. Read the Psalms. You will identify with David because he's so honest. And he says it like it is, even when he's in depression himself. Number four, rejoice in the Lord. That beautiful verse, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice also in Philippians, the fourth chapter. You know, you can make, you cannot make yourself happy, but you can make yourself rejoice. And I just want to list a, just a few things that you can say to yourself, you have to know who you are in Christ. As a believer, 
say something like this about yourself. I am a child of God. I am God's child. Another thing to say is, I will not be afraid. Say, I am at peace. The scripture says the peace of God passes all understanding. It's not based on sickness or health. It's not based on prosperity or lack of. It's we can have peace. It passes all understanding. I love this one. Say to the devil, I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. And of course, the beautiful scripture. We're so familiar in Psalm, the 23rd chapter. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you want to encourage yourself in the Lord, why don't you make a list like that? Just statements that you can say as a child of God, as a believer, and they'll encourage you. They will give you strength. You know, beloved, the devil would like to put all of us in that black cave of despair and discouragement. Are you tired today? Perhaps you're not suffering from COVID fatigue. I think most of us are. But some of you are, are suffering from grief. You may be suffering from physical pain. There are so many things that can cause despair or depression. I just want to say this to you today. You do not need a cave, beloved. You need a rock. I want to recommend a rock to you. I've been reading this over and over this past week. It has just been such a blessing to me. It's, it's a, this is in the Psalms, and you're so familiar with it, but I'm going to read it. Psalm 62, it says this, My soul finds rest in God alone. This is verse 1. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And then it goes, verse uh, 5 repeats it, but it's more of a command. It says, find rest. Oh, my soul in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock. And then I jumped over to the chapter before because I thought it says something about the rock. Yes, it does. Psalm 61, verse 4. Um, no, it must be 3. Ah, verse, well, 2. <laughs> it says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge. If you're feeling depressed today, you're tired, will you come to the rock? Father, we come to you today. We thank you that you are strong defense in time of need. Lord, we thank you that we can find rest for our troubled spirit, for our despair, for our discouragement. Lord, whatever we're facing, we know that you are there to love us and to care for us and to lead us gently into your peace and your place of safety. Bless your church today. Meet every need. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church or would like to make a comment, please mail us at info at newlifeag.org.
dot in. God bless you.